0: excited to talk about spiritual gifts
1: today. I'm looking forward to talking about what inclusivity can look like within the context of the church, too.
0: I'm also excited to talk about record-keeping.
1: Yeah, me too. It's gonna be great. So welcome. Before we get into our discussion, maybe we should follow up on what we read?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All
1: right, so today we're in Doctrine and Covenants 46 through 48. We're gonna see how spiritual gifts are given to those who desire to do good, and we're also gonna receive a lot of examples of such gifts.
0: John Whitmer is going to be called to be the church historian and the saints are going to be counseled to record their meetings, make sure everything is written down and they're also invited to lift their voices, Joseph Smith especially. Mm -hmm.
1: We're also told how the saints are instructed to share the lands with those moving to Ohio. Now we're gonna focus in on three things in particular today and we're looking forward to your thoughts and comments. First, what does it mean to be inclusive in the church? Second, what are some gifts of the spirits? How do we cultivate them? How do we appreciate them? And also the importance of record keeping.
0: So in order to help us dive deeper into the scriptures and understand them better, we have invited our wonderful friend, Colin Bonner. Colin, <laughs> would you join us up here, please? I would love
2: to, Welcome. thank you so much. Thank you, oh, I would love you. to. Very excited to be here. I love the scriptures and I love this topic. So Conlin, you are the Director of Diversity
1: and Outreach at the Hill Center Theater. You have seven years experience at teaching seminary. Mm-hmm. You're a performer, all-American athlete, and also international motivational speaker.
2: So yes, you have, wear, a lo-
1: wear a lot of different hats.
2: Uh, <laughs> we're grateful to have you here and looking forward to your perspectives. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. It's exciting, I love the scriptures.
1: Okay, so before we begin our discussion, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what stuck out to you, what did you find significant, or maybe what do we need to know going into these sections? Yeah,
2: there's so many good moments in these verses and in these chapters. I wanted to touch on one thing that stood out mm-hmm. to me a lot um, and it was in section 46 verse seven, it says here, but ye are commanded in all things to ask of God who giveth liberally, right? And that which the spirit testifies unto you, even so I would that ye should do in all holiness of heart, walking uprightly before me. Now this is the part where I love, considering the end of your salvation, doing all things with prayer and thanksgiving, that ye may not be seduced by evil spirits or doctrines of devils or the commandments of men for some are of men and others are of devils. And so the reason why I love that is because I know that I can turn to prayer and to thanksgiving and that will allow me to escape the hands of the devil or whatever Mm -hmm. things that might come upon me. So I'm grateful for the scriptures being able to do that for us. Something to keep in mind as we look through the scriptures and even in these sections.
1: Excellent, thank you for that. first topic we want to talk about is becoming inclusive. Can you give us a little bit of historical context? What's going on uh, at this time? And explain a little bit why we want to talk about inclusivity here.
0: Yeah, so section 46 is an important time. So people are really searching for truth. They're, fi- they're trying to find Jesus Christ. And so as a result, this group of people, after joining the church, is really trying to understand the Spirit. They've read the Book of Mormon. They understand how there are gifts of the Spirit. And some of these manifestations of the Spirit are being shown in some interesting ways. So section 46 is going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but rather than simply talking about the swooning and the laying on the ground or speaking in in different languages and things, Joseph is going to receive a revelation that's going to talk about the real gifts of the Spirit and what that looks like. In addition, at the same time, so there are actually two points to this section, there are also those who are not members of the church. They're really a negative towards the church, and so they're saying, should we even invite these people in? And the Lord in this revelation says basically, absolutely, you don't kick anybody out of your church meetings. Mm-hmm. Can we go to the text there exactly? Yeah, Where yeah, it thank you. That? So that's specifically in verse three. Nevertheless, you are commanded never to cast anyone out of your public meetings, which are held before the world.
2: In verse five, it also adds on these words as well, that ye shall not cast any out of your sacrament meetings who are earnestly seeking the kingdom if they're absolutely earnestly seeking the kingdom, let them in, let them have, the, partake of the goodness that the gospel has to bring.
0: Yeah, frankly, it's three verses right in a row. I mean, clearly the Lord is making a statement. Other churches in that time did, it was common, uh, but in this time they're saying, don't, don't cast people out, let people be.
1: So the question I have for all of you is, how can we uh, help others feel welcome into the church, uh, especially those who are prone to feel like they don't belong?
0: And, maybe, and even in this case, those who feel like they shouldn't belong,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? I mean, that sounds a little bit extreme, but yeah, they were invited and they came.
2: Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that we have church at home. And uh, am I supposed to kick my kids out of out of church or out of my home because they're acting up cr- and, and being crazy at that moment? Hopefully we can take a moment to talk to them, invite them to feel and partake of the spirit that's at the house so that it can be a teaching moment for my little boy or my little girl to, to want to be here, to be edified by the experience that we're trying to create here. And of course that was before when we were having at home church, mm-hmm. but it was such a good moment for me to, to reflect on, to think that, hey, I want them to be here and I want them to continue to stay. Excellent, thanks.
0: I just had a scripture come to my mind from Doctrine and Covenants section 18. It just simply says, and if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people and bring, save it be, one soul unto me. I bring that up because of the word bring I know in my life, before I was married, a single person, sometimes it's a little bit awkward to go to church every Sunday and sit by yourself. And I really appreciated it when I would have members of the ward who would call and just say, hey, do you mind, can we come pick you up for church this Sunday? I mean, I was always active, but it was so nice to just walk in with somebody sometimes and have a family to sit with. And, and it wasn't like I didn't feel like I belonged, but it was sure nice to feel cared for.
1: I mean, I like that idea that you didn't feel like you didn't belong, but you realized how loved you were when somebody reached out a little bit. It's just
0: a little extra thoughtfulness that was Mm -hmm. very kind. Yeah, Lisa. So I think something that can help to solve the problem of others not feel as part of the group of the church, for me, is empathy and charity. Like in the example that you just say, like they thought about you going along church So they experience empathy being in your position and how will she feel if she comes with us. When I have those moments when people really think about me instead of this look good, uh, that we do this for her because she's not from here, uh, it's more meaningful. And it really helps me to have the spirit in that meeting or activity that we're
3: doing.
1: Thank you for that. So the question I have for all of you is, is there a place in the church for families who only attend services twice a month? Is there a place in the church for members who struggle in their testimony of Joseph Smith? Is there a place in the church for a member who drinks coffee or swears or watches R-rated movies or struggles with opioids, alcohol, or pornography? Is there a place for people who want to be a member of the church solely to be part of our wonderful community? And as I was reflecting on these, I realized that throughout the course of my life, I've been that member. Uh, with respect to several of these things. And if there isn't room in the church for for those kinds of people, there wouldn't have been room in the church for me. And one of the reasons I've stayed in the church is because in my moments of weakness, there were members who loved me and had faith in the kind of person I could be. So I think there's absolutely value in in helping everybody feel
2: welcome, even if they sin differently than we do. I went to Arizona last week and... I remember after the meeting, someone come, coming up to me and he just says, are you new here? Or, you know, are you visiting? You know, what, what's, what's going on? You know, and I, I just felt so touched by his readiness to make me feel included. Mm-hmm. It can be awkward for me, you know, even being, you know, uh, even being a black man, you know, I'm guessing that I'm probably thinking that uh, he might not even be a member. You know, I don't know, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what's go- really going in their mind, but yeah. it was really cool just to, how easily he was willing to, to come and meet me and say hello. Yeah. And I love that. That's, that's a way to make someone feel included.
0: Yeah. As a religion professor at BYU, we get the opportunity to speak to a lot of students from a lot of backgrounds. And I've had students who have are return missionaries, strong, active, and just look like the most purest people in the face of the earth. And then they'll say something like, I am struggling with same-gender attraction, or I'm gay. And they'll say, with tears streaming down their eyes, I don't think I'll ever get married. Is there room for me at church? And it is the most painful thing to sit there and watch this sadness. And the idea that they would ever think that they weren't welcome is, is, is disturbing, but also very painful. Oh. Everyone, everyone, according to Jesus Christ, is accepted at our church. It's, it's us that's being tested, not them. Mm. Are we willing to accept everyone as, as Christ is? Does that mean that there aren't things that we need to change? Of course, those people I've just mentioned aren't even sinners, these are just people who were just trying to figure out life.
1: Yeah, Conlin, if you have any thoughts on this. Have your gospel beliefs ever put on a strain on in your relationships with other people? And if so, how did you kind of overcome that tension to maintain that relationship? Yeah, I'm
2: glad that you mentioned that. Even yesterday, I had a real close friend had spiritual experiences with, gave blessings with this person to someone else. And they just mentioned that they are gay and that they have left the church. But at the same time, he mentioned, I hope I don't lose any friends because of this. Immediately, when I saw that, I texted him. I said, hey, love you forever, brother. I still have hope that he can remember those experiences that, uh, that he had. So he doesn't feel like he has to leave the church, even if he has those same-sex attraction feelings, that there is a place for him. I know that there's ways to, to mend relationships. You don't have to have them strained, even if your beliefs are different.
0: Yeah, I think we've all had a lot of experiences where we've worked with people that, that we love especially, and Christ really is the only one who can judge. And, and so our job really is to invite and be welcoming and help people come into Christ, which is what our meetings are supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. So another question I have for you all is, we've talked a little bit about how can we help other people feel welcome. Um, what do you do when you don't feel welcome?
0: Yes, please, yo-yo. This is gospel and religion in general is really personal. It's the most personal thing about yourself. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father is between you guys. So when you get to church and you maybe don't feel like you belong there, or someone is making you feel like you don't belong, I always take it back to one, and that is my relationship with my Heavenly Father and the promises we make to each other. Mm -hmm. And of course, he gives us all these tools, the scriptures, prayer, other people, to help us through this life, but if you always go back to one, that one relationship that matters the most, it, it usually seems to, to pull me out of it. And it, it seems to get me to that second hour class that you don't wanna to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, it is between you and the Lord. It's been a great discussion on becoming inclusive and and the importance of doing so. Let's Let's change the topic now and talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Section 46 is a great section where it just lists so many of the gifts of the Spirit. And right now, we're just going to go right to a, a question from our at-home viewer.
3: I was reading in Doctrine and Covenants, and I read about spiritual gifts. Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verse 10 states, And again, verily I say unto you, I would that ye should always remember and always retain in your minds what those gifts are that are given unto the church. The verse says that the gifts are given to the church. So my question is, does everybody have those gifts? And if so, can everybody recognize those gifts or do they sometimes go unnoticed? I'm looking forward to your help with this question. Thanks.
1: That's a great question, Ginny. So one of the things I was thinking of as you were asking that question is just kind of people in my life who aren't members of the church, who have been such a, a good influence on me, who have had gifts of empathy and love and enjoy and just been able to influence me in positive ways regardless of whatever religious background they have. So I think absolutely uh, the Lord blesses people of all walks of life, of all religions, in ways where they, can, where they can profit their fellow human beings.
0: And I think specifically in this part, the Lord is also talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is given mm-hmm. to those who are members of the church. But there are a variety of gifts that not just members of the church, but people all over the world have. I think we could all look at, at a, a variety of people from, from musicians to to artists, um and see their gifts, and there are also so many gifts that are not seen um, from people throughout the world that are, frankly, just as significant and just as important, Yeah. but regardless of membership in the church.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even in a verse further down, it mentions about, to some is given by the Holy Ghost to know the that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I know many people who believe that Jesus Christ is their savior. And yeah. so I, I love that element.
1: Yeah, that's the knowledge that oftentimes brings them into the gates of baptism, right? It's
2: true, yeah. It's true. And if I could add, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times when we think of these gifts, we, we sometimes think the big showy gifts, you know, the ones that are easily seen, if it is, you know, a backflip, uh, singing, <laughs> which I can do both of those, but yeah. it doesn't matter, okay? <laughs> uh, I received a blessing uh, at one point where it mentioned that if I'm humble and faithful, then nothing can hinder my progress in life. And sometimes I feel like we don't consider humility or faithfulness, patience, goodness as gifts, but they absolutely are.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you in the audience. I wanna know what gifts have you noticed in other people that are beneficial for you or that have benefited you in some way?
1: And Barbara, that's such a great question, because if you look in this section about why spiritual gifts are given, uh, almost exclusively they're to benefit other people. Uh, This is clarified in three different places that they are given for the benefit of all, right?
3: You know, having the perspective of a parent and see your your children grow up and see how they they come with these unique uh, skills and abilities, that you're like, wow, where did that come from? Not from me, (laughs) certainly from God.
0: I appreciate you sharing that, Andy, and, and hearing that about your children. I, I just look at these sections, this section, section 46, and all these different gifts that are available. And, and I just have seen so many people with so many gifts, and I've been impacted by so many in my life. And I just kind of challenge, we challenge you guys, is, as you go along, to use your gifts to really try to figure out what people need. Ask the Lord what is available to you, what he has given you. And for those gifts that you don't have, just as we're taught here, to ask the Lord for those gifts that will be most beneficial in building up the kingdom of God, but also to help individuals in your, in your path and to acknowledge those gifts in other people as well.
1: So Barbara, on that note, I actually think we have a, a video from a viewer at home who has a question regarding that.
3: And my question is about spiritual gifts. How can I appreciate other people's spiritual gifts while at the same time still loving myself, knowing that I can be better,
0: but knowing that I have a great potential. It reminds me of my husband who often will say, I don't covet things, I just want both of us to have a nice car, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of the idea with gifts too, I don't care, I don't covet your gift, I just want both of us to have a cool gift, right? Same idea. Do you mind if I share something on that?
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I've got my sister here, which is so cool, yo-yo here, and and Mm -hmm. she is brilliant at speaking, at singing, at dancing. She can pick up a dance just like that, you know? And I'm, perf- I'm a performer myself, but you know, I can't pick it up like she does, you know? And so it's just so cool. But I think at times it's so easy to, when you're trying to boost up someone else, you start looking down at yourself. I look at this question and I love that others can see good in us, but that does not diminish... The good in them. Yeah, the good yeah. in them. Elder Holland said it similar to this. We are not diminished by someone else's increase. If anything, we are all being uplifted because now you're able to recognize good in another person, in another person, and you're also seeing others as Christ sees them. And so I hope that we can start thinking in that way more so than, oh man, look at me, I lose sight of my own potential or worth when I boosted someone else up.
0: That reminds me of of the story of Alma and the sons of Mosiah. Alma found joy in them. He found joy that they were knowledgeable. He found joy that they had fasted. He found joy in their success and watched their gifts and their talents. and, And that just builds up Alma. You just see the synergy happening when we can acknowledge the gifts and talents of other people and the joy that the Lord must feel when he sees his children finding joy in each other. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, just one thing in conclusion, I think often like all of us can maybe fall into this kind of trap of comparing ourselves to other people, but just every now and then asking God to kind of validate our efforts and help us to recognize the value we have in his eyes, help us to see maybe the, the influence we have on other people. And, and coming from, from him, that can be a really valuable thing that it has in my life.
0: For those who are wondering you know, about your gifts and those who are wondering about discernment, verse 27 is important. It says, And unto the bishop of the church, and unto such as God should appoint, and ordain to watch over the church, and to be elders unto the church are to have it given unto them to discern all those gifts, lest there shall be any among you professing and yet being not of God. So if you really do go to the bishop, one of the the bishop's responsibilities, in fact, a a, a key or a gift that he has is is that discernment as a bishop to be able to help you understand the spirit, the diversities of spirits and especially gifts as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this has been a great discussion on, on spiritual gifts. Maybe now we can talk a little bit about record keeping. So, in this section, John Whitmer is designated to keep the history of the church and function as a scribe for Joseph Smith or to keep notes. Can you tell us a little bit, Barbara, about what this responsibility is actually entailed?
0: The story with John, with John is very interesting, actually. John actually says to Joseph, I was appointed by the voice of the elders to keep the church record. And then he says, Joseph Smith Jr. said unto me, You must also keep the church history. And then John says, I would rather not do it, but observe that the will of the Lord would be done. And if he desires it, I desire that he would manifest it through Joseph the seer. And in this case, then, Joseph goes to the Lord and says, okay, I've received this revelation. You really are supposed to be the record keeper. I'm not just asking you to. The Lord now has said that you're supposed to. What's interesting, though, in continuing on in this history is John actually says that he doesn't want to be that record keeper. He doesn't feel like he's a good writer. He doesn't feel like he has the ability to do so. He doesn't feel like this is something that he has as a gift but he does continue to keep this record. And later on, Joseph actually talks about a little bit of his frustration that at the early part of the church, he had received so many revelations and was in so many meetings and people never, he didn't have those written down. And then he actually says to the members of the church, in order for God to be speaking to you, this is a kind of a summary, in order for God to be speaking to you, you need to be keeping records because we have lost so, so much. And so that's kind of the invitation, that's kind of the impetus in a sense for this section, but also the idea of, of the importance of journal keeping, which continues on throughout the history of the church. Even today, we have a we have a record keeper for the church.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So I'm pretty bad at journal keeping, so somebody sell me on it. <laughs> One of the things I've really loved is getting into family history and the tools that have been provided to us now. If you think about the family search, I know when I first got started, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is for doing family history research and things, but it's so much more than that. And now it's been expounded. And, you know, you're wondering what to do with all those electronic photos? Load them to FamilySearch. And I, I get so excited. I've I found um, over the past few months, photographs of my parents when they were in high school from yearbooks that have been uh, photographed and uploaded to, to the databases and things. And it's just so fun, you know? So if you're not the best at writing, like maybe I'm not the best at writing, do what you can. Take some pictures. Load them to Family Search, and that can be really powerful for, for our generation and the future. I love the idea of
1: doing what you can. I mean, I I was really good about writing journals on my mission, and then I got married and had kids, and I just I'm just tired. So like, I, <laughs> so like I have an entry for every time a child is born, but like other than that, um, I don't have much. But I mean, the Lord, as you were saying, I mean, in all seriousness, Andy, the Lord has commanded us to remember often, right? remember remember the Lord your God, what he's done for you. And I think journal keeping is part of this, part of keeping this commandment to always remember and recall these information in a way that's transformative for us in the present. So, great.
2: You know, it's interesting when we look at the scriptures in general, they're kind of like journal entries, you know, of their experience and with their experiences with God and their inspired writings. And so that's what we call scriptures. I, I feel that when we write down our history and our experiences with the Lord, as well as in our life, they can be scripture for us in terms of how to learn from our past mistakes or even the good things that happen to us. We can learn from that and, and become better as a result. It's something that is commanded from the Lord and it's definitely beneficial and therapeutic for us.
3: Cassidy, please. I, when I was younger, I kept a journal, and um, some of the things I'd look back on, and I'd be like, "Wow, that was really like powerful to me. Like I totally spaced that, but now looking back on it, I totally remember it, and it meant a lot to me. Like at that time, it meant a lot. And so one thing I do try is anything that happens to me that does mean a lot to me, or does have an impact on me, and I feel like is important, I do write it down because sometimes that does like leave your head, like you forget about it, and it's hard to keep track of everything you can look back on them and like almost remember how it made you feel. I was super helpful. That made me super happy. I was going to say, one
0: of the things that I've learned through the Spirit is the Lord will correct me a lot as I write. So sometimes I'll write it just about activities and things, and a lot of times my journal isn't as much about what happened as about my thought process. The Lord many times through the Spirit has said, you know, that's really not the way it happened. You could see it in a variety of other ways. Or let me clarify that point for you. And sometimes— I will even write a thought or impression, and I'll realize I need to go deeper into that. Elder Scott talks about going to the Lord and saying, is there any more? In my case, sometimes it's not even I'm saying, is there any more? It's just that as I'm writing, I'm feeling there's more from that experience that I need to be learning. Here's a a quote for
1: communicating with God, right?
0: Exactly. Here's a quote from Elder Scott. He says, "...knowledge carefully recorded is knowledge available in time of need. Spiritually sensitive information should be kept in a sacred place that communicates to the Lord." how you treasure it. That practice enhances the likelihood of your receiving further light. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely true in my experience. <laughs> Look at you,
0: really? Yeah. That's yeah, great, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, this idea that I, I feel like the Lord has been much more willing to tell me things and instruct me as I demonstrate that I value the information that he does give me. Yeah. There's
0: a quote by Elder Maxwell too that may be beneficial for this subject. He says, the prompting that goes unresponded to may not be repeated. And this is kind of what you're saying. He continues, writing down what we have been prompted with is vital. A special thought can also be lost later in the day in the rough and tumble of life. God should not and may not choose to repeat the prompting if we assign what was given such a low priority as to put it aside. That's been my experience. I have, I have learned from the teachings of the Elder Scott, although I don't always do it, but I try to keep something near me, whether it's a piece of paper or a pen, whether it's a phone to record a thought, an iPad, yeah. scriptures somehow. Yeah. If the Spirit is speaking, I feel so impressed to, to jot it down. And I have learned He does continue to speak if we take those things seriously. Yeah,
2: And if we can keep it as a, a high priority or as sacred writing, so to speak, for us that we can actually apply. And then He can give us so much more. I love that.
0: And if we don't keep a record of ourselves, who will? I'd, yeah. My own record of myself is probably not very good, but I'd rather have people read my thoughts than somebody else's thoughts about me.
1: So this has been an excellent discussion on the importance of, of keeping a record. So thank you so much for your comments.
0: And Colin, thank you so much for being with us here today. It's been great hearing your story. It's obvious that you have some wonderful gifts and talents that we've talked about before. And we really appreciate you sharing those with us today. We appreciate you as an audience. We appreciate all your time that you spent with us today, your experiences, your testimonies, the questions you've asked. It's been a wonderful experience together.
1: Yeah, and to those of you at home, thanks for sharing your comments and questions and insights with us via social media. We'd love to have you in the studio with us sometime, but if you can't, we hope you'll watch next week on Come Follow Up.
0: Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.